Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. Did you know that Panthers owner David Tepper, who does not make public comments very often, did speak yesterday at a charity event here in our backyard, and he did discuss, among other things, the future of injured quarterback Cam Newton. We will dive into that and other football today. Jordan Rodrigue covers the NFL and the Panthers for The Athletic Carolina, an outstanding website to which I also am a contributor. College basketball is on our mind. Left and right, we had a couple of Wolfpack guests yesterday. Maybe the mojo was out there at the Carrier Dome. Big win, big step in the right direction for Kevin Keats's club. NC State 79, Syracuse a fellow bubble team 74. The Orange are not dead yet. They still have NCAA tournament dreams. Just remember what happened last night in the eyes of the NCAA selection committee is not just another nice win. The way they do things, road victories over top 75 opponents, one of the most important categories. This may sound strange at this point in the season, but do you know there are only two ACC basketball teams with winning records in what they call quad one games. All of you would have guessed correctly that Duke is one of those ACC teams with a winning record against, remember, the toughest opponents or in the toughest places. Neutral sites, harder than home. True road games, harder than home or neutral sites. And they adjust the numbers that way. You all would have known that Duke, four in one in quad one games, is among those on that right kind of list. Many would not have known that NC State is the other ACC team on that list. They are three wins and two losses against the quad or in the quad one games is the best way to put it. Now, Louisville and Florida State both have good records, three up and three down. They're certainly headed to the NCAA tournament, but that perspective, I think, helps put into place the importance of the Wolfpack win. Do they still have work to do? Of course they do. But was that an enormous, gigantic step in the right direction? Indeed, it was. Shout out to Kevin Keats, our recent guest, and the Wolfpack for their win up at the Carrier Dome. With the Wolfpack's win in mind, with Wake's win over UNC in mind, and even UVA over Notre Dame last night in ACC play, we have more games tonight, including a good one matching two promising young coaches and their programs in our backyard. ACC matchups, Louisville at Georgia Tech, Clemson Pitt, and BC Miami. In our backyard, you may not know as much about these two, but Mark Prosser, son of Skip, takes his Western Carolina team to UNC Greensboro, where Wes Miller, the former Tar Heel, as the head coach. They're two of the better teams in the Southern Conference. Two of the best players in our state will go head-to-head. -head. Guards Mason Faulkner of Western and Isaiah Miller of UNCG. They're on the all-David Glenn Show, all-state of North Carolina team, and certainly will remain there at the end of the season. Two of the best players, if not the two best, in the Southern Conference going head-to-head -head in Greensboro. 
Greensboro, a little bit off the beaten path, but one worth watching. Get there if you can. Jerry Palm is one of the most famous bracketologists of all. CBS Sports, he will drop by in hour number two. Jordan Rodriguez on the NFL, the Panthers, David Tepper, Cam Newton, the NFL Draft, the Combine, and other things in hour two as well. In hour three, we will talk to Eric Matras from the Tar Heel Sports Network. Wake got a nice win over one of its longtime rivals, Carolina. Something to celebrate in Winston-Salem for sure. Carolina falls to dead last in the 15-team ACC. Remember, folks, this is a school whose basketball program, since Dean Smith was a rookie coach in 1962, since then, there has been one and only one losing season for the Tar Heels. It was that Matt Doherty 8-20 disaster back in 2002, the middle year of his three-year debacle of a tenure as the Tar Heels head coach. Before, after, never a losing record. The Heels dropped to 10-14 and 14 after losing at Wake Forest. Remember, they recently lost at home to Boston College as well. In between, they played tougher opponents. It's no embarrassment to lose at Florida State. It's no embarrassment to lose in overtime at the buzzer to your rival Duke eight miles down the road. Losing to Wake this way, losing to BC that way, those are different animals as the heels fall to 10 and 14. Three wins and 10 losses in conference play. Here's my question for college basketball fans out there. You can apply it to your favorite team here or afar. What is the highest, and I mean realistic, goal that you have for your favorite college basketball team right now? And if I'm a state fan, I'm not just putting it at make the big dance for the second time in three years under Kevin Keats. You saw last night at Syracuse what veteran guards, when healthy, when available, when playing smart, when playing together, how valuable they are in the months of February and March and otherwise. Devin Daniels is a fourth-year junior for the Wolfpack and had a really good game last night. C.J. Bryce is a fifth-year senior for the Wolfpack at guard as well and had a really good game last night. Markel Johnson is another senior. Those are three guys in their fourth or fifth years at the college level. When they're playing well, that's why many of us picked NC State to be an NCAA tournament team. They showed it last night. Jericho Hellams also had a good game. A lot went wrong for the pack, by the way. They weren't perfect, but they persevered through early adversity. They persevered through some mental mistakes late. They got a break because Elijah Hughes, Syracuse's best player, was not even available. But it's one thing to get a break. It's another thing to capitalize on that break that was beyond your control. They handled what was in their control well, and they improved to 16-8, and 7-6 and six in conference play. Question of the day for college basketball fans. Maybe if you're a Duke fan, your highest, more re highest realistic goal is is Mike Krzyzewski's sixth NCAA title. I wouldn't laugh at you if that's your goal. Maybe you want an ACC title. Final four might be setting it too low with this group, given its place in the rankings and its talent level and how much Coach K has liked the way they just fought through that four games in nine days stretch. If you're a Florida State fan, I don't think your team's good enough to win it all, but I don't think the school's first final four since 1972 is an outrageous goal. Closer to home, I'm not sure what your realistic goal should be for the Tar Heels. I don't know what your realistic goal should be for the Demon Deacons, for that matter, and they're feeling good after a win over Carolina. Question of the day that allows for your participation as we look forward to Eric Montross on the Tar Heels, Jerry Palm on Bracketology, Jordan Rodriguez on David Tepper, Cam Newton, the Panthers, and other NFL, and last and certainly not least, 
with the Daytona 500 just a few days away at this point, we get the 2019 Cup Series champion. He is now a two-time champion. He was actually the runner-up at last year's Daytona 500, but he has never won that event. It's really the only major thing that Kyle Busch has not accomplished in his life as a NASCAR driver. The Daytona 500, yeah, he's been the runner-up. Yeah, he's been in the hunt. He has never won that one. He has won virtually everything else that you would want to win. He was actually recently at Super Bowl 54. Got some cool photos with some other celebrities. He is celebrating, of course, as a driver for Joe Gibbs Racing. Joe Gibbs's place in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. That official induction was just in the last couple of weeks. We'll talk to Kyle Busch on his way to the Daytona 500, the 2019 Cup Series champion. He won as well in 2015. Question of the day, again, college basketball. We will get to the Canes loss in Dallas. They're back home Friday night. Enter Canes with DG if you can. We are selecting that winner this week. The grand prize winner gets dinner with me and my four seats on the glass at PNC Arena for a Canes home game later this month or in March. Question of the day for your participation. What is the highest realistic goal you have for your favorite college basketball team right now? Tar Heel fans are really, really low. Wake fans are frustrated but happy after last night's win over the Tar Heels. The Wolfpack just got one of its biggest wins of the entire season. That is not an exaggeration. Duke, of course, has higher goals, as do some of the others that we follow in the ACC and beyond. It was a big night in the NBA last night. Four of the top six in the association went head-to-head. -head. Sixers beat the Clippers in Philly. Rockets beat the Celtics in Houston. And that Zion Williamson guy posted his first 30-point game of his NBA career. We have a little bit of a larger body of work now. It's not really a question of the day, but if you'd like to chime in on it, if you bet against Zion Williamson and his Duke style of play translating to the NBA, I don't mean you're worried about his weight. I don't mean you're worried about injuries. I don't mean you're worried can a guy of that size at 6'7", 290 or whatever, can he last for a long time? That's a different conversation, and we don't have a verdict on that yet. And we won't have a verdict for quite some time. If your skepticism was, oh, six, seven guy can't go in amongst the trees and the athletes in the NBA and play that style of ball, it might be time for you to already start waving the white flag and admit defeat. Because after nine games in the NBA, Zion's not having a problem translating as last night's 31 points, nine rebounds, and five assists against the Blazers uh, testified to. This is a nine-game body of work. He's fitting in really, really well after missing the first half of the season after knee surgery. You can jump in on the Zion story. Kyle Busch joins us third hour. Of course, a lot of college basketball, some NFL some bad news for the Ohio State football program and some strange parts of NC State's ongoing case versus the NCAA. For now, celebrate the Wolfpack on the court. The weird stuff is happening with the NCAA scandal as we discussed with Joe Giglio among our guests yesterday. So here's how it lines up. Jordan Rodrigue on David Tepper's public comments about Cam Newton, among other NFL, 45 minutes. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports bracketologist, one of the best in that business. The ACC is not going to get only three teams. Teams, right? Jerry Palm will give us that update midway through hour number two. Kyle Bush earlier in our third hour live. Eric Montross later in our third hour live. Big E, of course, a two-time consensus All-American and a national champion during his playing days for the Tar Heels. He is 
Jones Angels sidekick on Carolina basketball broadcasts. Big E, a good friend of the program, and our guest a little bit later in hour number three. You can jump in on Zion. You can jump in on Cam Newton and David Tepper. You can jump in on the college basketball question of the day. More of my thoughts on last night's events and this week's headlines of the sports world. What is the highest realistic goal you have for your favorite college basketball team right now? If you watched the Wolfpack last night, you might want to raise the bar a little bit because they showed what they're capable of in a lot of the right ways, even while being far from perfect. They got the win. 1-800-849-2761. More of my thoughts with your phone calls four guests later, including last year's Cup Series NASCAR champion Kyle Busch. We're glad you're with us on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour of sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Four great guests later. Your phone calls now, including college hoops. NC State got one of its biggest wins of the season. Wolfpack 79, Syracuse 74 last night up at the Dome. Wake over Carolina in Winston-Salem. Carolina falls to dead last in the 15-team ACC. Wake fans got something to cheer for a change. Roy Williams has a messy situation on his hands. Kevin Keats has a lot of potential on his hands at NC State. UVA over Notre Dame. More games tonight and moving forward we'll get to. The question of the day with college hoops in mind is this. What is the highest realistic goal you have for your favorite college basketball team right now and why? That answer will be very different for teams like Duke and Louisville at the very top. Maybe Florida State on that next tier. NC State and UVA were the two teams last night that got the resume builders that they needed. In fact, if you got a daily update, bracketology style, and we're going to get one with Jerry Palm of CBS an hour from now, he's one of the best in that business. UVA's on the right side of the bubble, and the Wolfpack just got one of its biggest wins of the season, putting it at worst on the bubble, and at best, for now, on the right side of the bubble. It was a huge step in the right direction for Kevin Keats' squad. And after the top three, to me, there's no reason the Wolfpack can't finish fourth Right? You avoid the early days of the ACC tournament if you finish fourth, finish fourth in the conference standings. Now, UVA is that for now. The Cavaliers beat Notre Dame in overtime last night. If you watch the Wolfpack against Syracuse instead, good choice. You know why? In the entire five minutes of overtime between Notre Dame and UVA, you know how many points were scored by both teams combined? Five. I mean, it can be ugly sometimes. I'm a big Tony Bennett fan. I told the skeptics they were wrong when they said he could never win a title with that brand of basketball. They were proven wrong last year when the Cavaliers did win it all. It was 3-2 to two UVA over Notre Dame in the five-minute overtime period at Charlottesville last night. NC State and Syracuse had their ups and downs. They both turned it over a lot. But... The Pack's turnovers did not lead to nearly as many easy Syracuse buckets as the Syracuse turnovers led to Wolfpack buckets. And to me, the greatest reason for optimism, if you're a Wolfpack fan, as we welcome your calls and look forward to NASCAR superstar Kyle Busch, third hour, Eric Montross on UNC, third hour, Jerry Palm, second hour, Jordan Rodrigue on David Tepper's comments about the future of injured quarterback Cam Newton. Those comments came just yesterday. We have the audio, and we'll give you 
Jordan Rodrigue in about 35 minutes here on the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. First team All-ACC is a possible destination for Elijah Hughes of Syracuse. The Wolfpack does not have a player that would rank among the five best players in the league. Hughes, if you thought it was weird when C.J. Bryce went down in pregame warm-ups, and it is weird when that happens. He ends up dealing with the concussion protocol because he bumps into his own teammate or vice versa prior to a game in late December. Sure enough, he misses a few games. He's not his best self when he comes back, and the Wolfpack collectively played some bad basketball in his absence and kind of crashed back to earth. Well, it was Elijah Hughes' getting a pregame injury. It was a first-team All-ACC candidate missing almost the entire game in what was a huge matchup for both Jim Beheim and Syracuse as the Hall of Fame coach tries to get them almost always on the bubble, on the right side of the bubble. It was hashtag NC State stuff, except it applied to the Orange last night. No Elijah Hughes. It's one thing to get that break. It's another thing to capitalize on that break. The Orange are not close to their best without, of course, their best player. We can say that about just about anybody in the ACC. Devin Daniels stepped up and played almost the whole game and had a team-high 23 points. C.J. Bryce stepped up and looked like the guy that he looked like all-ACC candidate before he had the weird pregame concussion problem at the expense of his own teammate or caused by his own teammate. 39 minutes for C.J. Bryce. 19 points, five rebounds. He hits four out of his six threes. That's how he was playing back in November and December before somebody threw that wrench into his senior season through the unfortunate concussion problem. Markel Johnson did come off the bench. It is alarming to see another of your seniors late for practice, which is why he did not have the honor of starting for the pack up at Syracuse last night. But he made the most of his 32 minutes. He didn't try to overshoot it or overthink it. He had eight points. He had eight assists. He had four steals. He was very energetic and dynamic defensively. The Wolfpack turned a lot of those turnovers into buckets. If you have... Three guards either in their fourth or fifth year at the college level. And they can do that on the road against a Hall of Fame coach, against a mind-bending zone defense. And they lead the way as juniors and seniors are supposed to lead the way. That's an NCAA tournament caliber opponent that's on the road. That's a quad one win, as the selection committee calls it. And maybe the Wolfpack can even go from three and two in that category, by the way to 4-2, and two. if you don't know how it works, Pack has a win over Wisconsin. Unfortunately, Wisconsin's rated like number 32 or something right now. If you're top 30 and you beat them on your home court, your opponent was top, is top 30 now, not what they were the day you beat them, that counts as a quad one win. So I know it sounds strange, but what is a quad two win over Wisconsin right now? If the Badgers play better basketball the rest of the way, that becomes for the Wolfpack a quad one win. They didn't do anything else. They beat them that day. It is a fluid situation, as the old saying goes, but the pack could easily go from three and two in the hardest category. Again, only Duke and State have a winning record in quad one games this year. Even Louisville and, and Florida State, they're in the national top ten in the polls, and they have as many wins as losses in quad one games, three wins and three losses. It's a huge step in the right direction for NC State. And when you have veteran guards who have their confidence back and some chemistry back, there's not a game you can't win.
And remember, at Syracuse is hard. The Wolfpack gets other huge opportunities coming up. No bids are given out, at large or otherwise, on February 12th. But if you're good enough to go to Syracuse and win, you're good enough to make a run at either Duke or Florida State as those two both visit PNC Arena. Now, if you're demanding a win over both, you're probably a little bit unreasonable as a Wolfpack fan. If after seeing them win a couple straight, after seeing those veteran guards play well together in a difficult environment against a great coach, that a team that has quality players, missing one but three other really good players on Syracuse, that's why they're near the bubble as well, it's not asking too much to say shock either Florida State or Duke, beat the teams you're supposed to beat, like Boston College at Boston College this Sunday, or Wake Forest in Raleigh to close the regular season, or even Pitt comes to Raleigh, etc. Win the games you're supposed to win against the middle and bottom of this league, and then just shock somebody. Either Pitt or Duke, you get to go to Duke later, that sounds a little harder than beating the Devils at PNC Arena. Just get one of those. You get one of those and win the games you're supposed to win, folks, you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. And as we've said all along, nobody else is in great position beyond Duke, Louisville, and Florida State. UVA and NC State put themselves in better positions with their wins last night. Chris and Zebulon has the Wolfpack on his mind. That makes it a good time to take his call. Chris, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DJ. Thanks for speaking with me. Sure, man. What's on your mind? I just kind of want to talk about. Yeah. First of all, man, what a night last night for the Wolfpack. Awesome. I heard you talking about a Hall of Fame coach, Jim Beheim. What about Mr. Pete? I really think he could be a Hall of Fame coach if he doesn't already have the resume for it. Guy's a winner. Think about it. A couple other things. Mark L. Johnson, the way that young man is playing right now, he starts to remind me a little bit of another M. Johnson point guard, a.k.a. Urban, the magic man, Johnson. Yeah. Mark, now, let me tell you what, man. Mark Hill, he got that crossover. He got – and nothing to bet good else that I could say. The supporting cast is great. Lastly, how about them tar babies over in Chapel Hill? <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I was, I, was, I was watching last night, and I was cracking up my son and I. And then also, lastly, the NCAA, what they're doing, they are just open fake news media right now. We did nothing wrong. We only paid Dennis a little bit. <laughs> Stop that they're getting upset with us. Carolina cheated. <laughs> I can hear the sarcasm. We only paid Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr. a little bit. Obviously, that is not a small violation of NCAA rules. That is a larger one. But on the rest of it, I hadn't thought of it that way. It was a double, a double whammy success story for Wolfpack fans last night. I'm trying to remember the exact timing because I was flipping back and forth among several college basketball games, plus the Canes lost at Dallas last night. But I believe the Wolfpack, I watched the Wolfpack put the finishing touches on their win at Syracuse. And then I think if you flip the channel, you could have seen the Tar Heels fall to Wake Forest because that had a later starting time, right? So that, there's a lot going right for Wolfpack basketball fans last night. I don't think the NCAA scandal is on that list of things going right, but I accept everything else that Chris contributed today. 1-800-849-2761. On Markel Johnson, by the way, you know, it's a little bit of an exaggeration to say M is for magic, but it's not an exaggeration to say the guy has not lost his magic pun intended, when it comes to being a distributor, when it comes to being an amazing athlete with long arms who, when his mind is, is on defense, right, 
And the Wolfpack played intelligently last night. That has not always been the case this season. They had a couple of mental miscues, right? When C.J. Bryce caused that double lane violation on an important free throw, I was my head was starting to spin exorcist style. I just that's that's the kind of thing the Wolfpack has done too often this year. Now it didn't come back to bite them this time, and there was actually many more intelligent moments, including for C.J. Bryce and Markel Johnson and Devin Daniels. As soon as you saw Elijah Hughes was not going to play, you had to remember Elijah Hughes went through warmups. Elijah Hughes was out there for the opening jump. It's not like you game planned for a Syracuse team that was going to be missing its best player. I always point this out because it just hurts to say it, but it's part of the story. Elijah Hughes is an ECU transfer. He was part of the ECU Pirates program here in our backyard. Transferred to Syracuse, sat out a year, and now is one of the six best players in the ACC. Candidate for first team All-ACC. So he's out there. He is that good, seriously. He is up there with Trey Jones and Vernon Carey of Duke and a couple of others. John Mooney of Notre Dame is having a fantastic year. Devin Vassell is the best player on a really good Florida State team. Uh, Jordan Wara of Louisville is on that list as well. It's like six guys that I see as great candidates for first-team All-ACC. It's one thing to know that Elijah Hughes is not playing like as your plane is taking off in Raleigh. That didn't happen. So those players had to adjust on the fly. And what I mean by a high basketball IQ, it is a lot harder to defend Joe Girard, who scored a million points at the high school level in the state of New York because of his mainly his sharp shooting skills. Buddy Beheim is one of the most accurate long-range shooters in the entire country, son of the coach Jim Beheim, obviously. Merrick Dolajai is a different player, but once Elijah Hughes was out, on the fly, like Kevin Keats, of course, is not leaving it to me to point these things out. They're in the huddle talking about, hey, Elijah Hughes might not be coming back. The only way that Syracuse is going to beat NC State without Elijah Hughes is if Buddy Beheim and or Joe Girard go bananas from the guard position. So what do you do? You get in their grill. You, you force them to put the ball on the floor. You, you force them to try to drive around you or, or, or pick up fouls and get to the free throw line. You cannot give them breathing room. And with Buddy Bayheim and Joe Girard, I mean breathing room like they'll launch it from 23 feet the NBA distance, and they're not shy about it. So you got to get out there with your Markel Johnson athleticism. You got to get out there as C.J. Bryce. Devin Daniels is not quite as quick on the perimeter, but that is high IQ defense. And in the end, what happened? Not only did the Wolfpack do a lot right offensively, which we're used to seeing, Devin Daniels with one of his best games, 23 points, 8 for 15 from the field. C.J. Bryce, 19 points, uh, 4 out of 6 from 3-point range. It's great to see his shot coming back. Jericho Hellams had 10 points and 7 rebounds and 4 assists off the bench. We're used to seeing good offense from NC State. Not every night, but most of the time. We're not used to seeing smart, great defense from the Wolfpack. And that is an offensively dynamic Syracuse team when they're fully healthy. They're not that at all when they're down their best player, and they shot 39% last night. Syracuse hit only three out of 18 threes. Now, you could say, y'all, Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard were just cold. No. Watch the game. You're not cold by accident most of the time. You're cold in part because people are in your grill. People are daring you to drive around them. 
that was an intelligently executed game plan that could not have been the game plan when the ball was thrown up for the opening tip. You had to, you had to build your defense around defending Elijah Hughes first if you were state last night. Three minutes into the game, it's like, uh, what do we do now? Well, they didn't even know if Hughes was coming back. He turned out to not come back. They adjusted on the fly. And who else is better to lean on come February and March? Veteran guards. Markell is at his best when he has the young Magic Johnson mentality. I'm not going to compare the talent levels the way the caller did. But the mentality matters. Because Markell, for whatever reason, has lost his shot. You know those percentages. Brilliant last year from three-point range and the foul line. Horrible this year from three-point range and the foul line. He has an ugly, mechanical shot. It's not hard to understand that something is wrong with that. Maybe he rebuilds it when he tries to make a pro career somewhere in the world. In the meantime, he's still one of the best assist men in the ACC. He's still one of the best steals men in the ACC. For this team to win, he has to have that deferential Magic Johnson-type mentality where, man, C.J. Bryce is hot again from three-point range. Let me get it to Devin Daniels on the wing, who had some f- just phenomenal dunks and, and screams into the Carrier Dome crowd last night. D.J. Funderburk was not huge last night as a post player and the Wolfpack's best big guy, but he was battling foul trouble on most nights. Markel Johnson's job includes remembering that D.J. Funderburk is a highly efficient player and an all-ACC-type count caliber player in the post even on a team that is much more perimeter driven it was smart basketball it was tough basketball it was on the road basketball against a quality and well-coached team and it all added up to one of the biggest wins of the season for nc state 16 and 8 7 and 6 in acc play jerry palm of cbs will tell us in about 60 minutes exactly where uva and nc state fall on his bubble right now what work is left to do for the wolf pack of course you can't rest on your laurels we all know that meanwhile florida state and duke and louisville are candidates for among the highest seeds in this year's tournament more on that with jerry palm next hour jordan rodrigue on the nfl in hour number two as well kyle bush nascar superstar on his way to the daytona 500 will drop by in our third hour eric montrose from the tar heel sports network will help the tar heel fans pick up the pieces from yet another disappointment wake 74 carolina 57 in winston-salem last night next up by phone because four guests are later that means you better get in now 1-800-849-2761 ben is in greensboro and has college hoops on his mind al van is in burlington and has the nfl on his mind it's back to your phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? I like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. David Tepper has spoken. He doesn't speak publicly often, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, but he addressed the future of injured QB Cam Newton. Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic Carolina will drop by on our show in about 20 minutes. I just had a couple of new posts there as well, including a deep dive look at whether Roy Williams' quote, least gifted description of this year's Tar Heels is backed up by the numbers. How do these Tar Heels compare 
in terms of top 25 high school signees, top 50 high school signees, and it's more subjective, but future NBA players. He's had teams that had seven future NBA players. This team has one in Cole Anthony and who knows how many others, but it's not going to be a big number. You can find that at The Athletic Carolina. Find our ACC Power Rankings every week at accsports.com. Ben is in Greensboro. I moved to North Carolina in 1987, and I didn't immediately understand everything that is involved with the great rivalries we have here in our backyard. But as we remind everybody of our question of the day, what is the highest realistic goal you now have for your favorite college basketball team? State coming off the big win, Carolina the big loss, Wake feeling good at least to cheer a win over its arch rival. Duke, of course, having the loftiest goals of all. And we're getting some feedback from fans of other teams as well. I would have predicted after the most recent call we took that a Carolina fan would call and respond to the NC State caller of last segment. Ben in Greensboro, I think, is filling those shoes today. If you could only remind that Wolfpack fan of one thing, Ben, what would that one thing be? Hi, DG. How you doing? I'm doing um, great. I think you're speaking my, for most of Carolina's uh, fan base because our lines lit up as soon as the Wolfpack fan got done uh, celebrating his pack but also taunting the Tar Heels. And I think most Carolina fans had the same thought that you're about to share. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Pedro Martinez that, tur- that coined the phrase, the Yankees were his daddy. <laughs> uh, I believe Roy Williams, if you look at his record, for a 10 and 14 team to go into PNC Arena and win by what was it, 10 points? It was convincing. I believe Roy Williams would be the, that version of the Wolfpack's daddy. I think that is accurate. I mean, frankly, the numbers back it up. Just as the numbers <laughs> backed up some of what the Wolfpack fans said, uh, Ben in Greensboro is flat out right. There's no debating it. You will not find many examples of a more lopsided record. I'm trying to remember the number right off the top of my head. Is Roy like 36-4 and four against the Wolfpack all time, counting his years at Kansas? It's something outrageous. I mean, 36-4 and four in a rivalry is almost as lopsided as anything you'll ever like even army navy gets one-sided for a while and then it swings back to the other side in one of the great college football rivalries alabama usually has auburn's number in college football but there have been stretches where auburn swings it back toward the Tigers' side in roy williams career man it has been all tar heels a little jayhawks uh, all the time when they get head-to-head matchups against the Wolfpack. Ben, thank you for chiming in. Todd is in Kinston and also has college basketball on his mind. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. I don't really have any expectations for this team on the court this year. I mean, besides maybe somebody not getting hurt being out for next year. But my goal this year would be to lure Zaire Williams away from the West Coast and land him for next year. Ah, you're, you're looking for another player addition to the roster. For those who don't know, the Wolf, the Tar Heels, do have one of the best recruiting classes in the country coming in next year. So this is going to be an anomaly season for Carolina, however it ends. Todd, I, I don't want to put you on the spot because I don't like doing that except to bad people when they call about with angry attitudes about uh, various things. But... As you watched, and you are a Tar Heel fan, right? Yes, sir. As you watched the Tar Heels, serious question, it's one thing to lose 74-57 to Wake Forest. I really thought it was the antithesis of the Carolina way, as I've come to understand that, interviewing Dean Smith in 1987 and forward until he retired, interviewing Bill Guthridge, 
Matt Doherty didn't quite get it the same way, but certainly Roy Williams does. The unselfishness, the team-first nature of it all. I mean, there were moments where they played hard. Christian Keeling had a good game. I'll even give Garrison Brooks credit. I believe Roy Williams said after the game last night that he could only say he was proud of one person. And he threw himself on the, on the stake, if you will. He said, I'm not proud of myself as the coach, and I think the only player I'm proud of is Garrison Brooks. Garrison did not even have a good game if you missed Wake's win over Carolina. I think he was O for everything from the field, Garrison Brooks, but he played through a scratched cornea. He played, he put goggles on. He couldn't even see right. And, and apparently he's gotten the same eye nicked three different times this year. It happened in the Duke game, it happened in a practice, and it happened against a different opponent earlier this season. So Garrison Brooks only had like seven points and five rebounds, and he missed every shot he took from the field. And Roy Williams said that was the only guy he was proud of. Something was clearly bothering Roy beyond a loss, and I wonder, Todd, if you've been a Carolina fan for a long time. Cole Anthony tried to play hero ball last night. You know, Brandon Childress, the senior at Wake, was the better point guard, and that's okay. I mean, seniors take freshmen to lunch, even talented freshmen, to lunch fairly often in college basketball, even when the freshman has more sheer talent, which Cole Anthony does. He's an NBA prospect. Brandon Childress, son of Randolph, is going to make money somewhere in this world making, you know, playing professional basketball, but it is highly unlikely to be in the NBA. He'll, he'll do well somewhere else. Cole Anthony tried to take over the game, and when you shoot five for 19 from the field and have seven turnovers, that not only suggests selfishness, it screams selfishness. And that's the kind of thing that can fracture a locker room. Now, I know nothing about behind-the-curtain friendships or any of that, but I saw some funny looks between Tar Heel players. And if you're the guy who's given three or four years of your life to the program and the kid comes in and is making reckless drives and launching long threes and not distributing the ball enough, only four assists for Cole Anthony, seven turnovers, and if you're going to take 19 shots – you better make 10 of them, right? Nobody's going to complain if you're making half your shots. Did you see that dysfunction last night? Again, beyond the loss itself, what did it look like through your Tar Heel eyes? Well, to be quite honest with you, after the heartbreak of the Duke game the other night, I couldn't bring myself uh-huh. to the game. And then when I, when I was, I saw the early scores on my uh, ESPN app on the phone, I knew I was not going to tune in uh, You know, to watch it. I just... I feel like maybe, you know, Cole has has thought that he was going to come in and be the savior of this team and they were going to scratch and claw and, and do something in the ACC tournament and maybe could make it to the NIT. But I think, you know, Cole is just going to be, after you know, his only year at Carolina, I think he's just going to be sort of an afterthought um, in the Tar Heels' illustrious history of, of great players. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to, you know, Yeah, there's there's time for him to change that, but there's no way he can change that. I appreciate the call, Todd. 1-800-849-2761. There is no way that Cole Anthony can change the narrative for the better if he tries to play hero ball. Does anybody remember Austin Rivers one year at Duke? Okay. He was a one-and-done guy. There were times it was crystal clear that his teammates did not always like him a whole lot. It was just as clear how talented he was, son of Doc Rivers, right? So he spends the 2011-2012 season with the Duke Blue Devils. 
And he did live up to the talent part of the equation, just like I think we can all see how talented Cole Anthony is, right? He's a ball hawk on defense. He's a pretty good shooter. Uh, He rebounds incredibly well from the point guard position. He can attack the basket. He even made a lot of nice plays against Wake last night. He was just a ball hog. And that's not going to go over well with your teammates when you lose by 17 when you're shooting 5 for 19 from the field. I mean, that's less than 30%. That is going to make you some enemies unless you have great relationships with your own teammates. We'll ask Eric Montross about some of these dynamics later. Not the funnest question to answer, but uh, he'll give us whatever insight he can provide. Even though that one year for Austin Rivers at Duke did lead to him becoming a lottery pick. Like, financially speaking, it's not like the NBA soured on Austin Rivers because he was selfish at times, because he conflicted with his teammates at times. Those Blue Devils accomplished some things, but do you remember what also happened? The Blue Devils face-planted that year in the postseason. And, you know, the Jabari Parker one-and-done year. It's not mere coincidence that otherwise talented Duke teams face-planted when there were some chemistry issues surrounding the freshman being the most talented guy on the roster. You either manage that well the way Duke managed it pretty well last year with Zion and RJ being the most talented guys on the roster as freshmen, or you manage it poorly, or even if you try to manage it well, it just ends poorly. The Jabari Parker-led Duke team, one-and-done freshmen. The Austin Rivers-led Duke team, one-and-done freshmen. Now, they're not like this Carolina team, to be clear. They accomplished other things, but they face-planted when it mattered most, and that's not mere coincidence. With this Carolina team this year, it's already the land of misery. But it will go beyond misery if you don't clean up some of that dysfunction and some some sort of chemistry issue where those other guys who are trying hard and working hard, nobody wants to see a ball hog shoot 28% from the field and turn it over seven times with only four assists. No matter how talented you are, at some point, you got to get others involved, and others are also working hard, trying hard, and trying to follow the game plan. That answer for Roy Williams is the difference between the Tar Heels showing up in Greensboro still dysfunctional and laying another egg, or the Tar Heels showing up in Greensboro more functional, more team first, better chemistry, and you know having at least a chance to win a game or two. Jordan Rodriguez on the NFL in 10 minutes. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. Background of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, And the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. NASCAR superstar Kyle Busch, live hour three. Eric Montross on ACC Hoops and the Tar Heels, hour three. Jerry Palm, bracketologist, live in about 35 minutes. Starting hour two will be Jordan Rodriguez. She was there as Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper made some rare public statements, including about the injured QB Cam Newton. NFL with Jordan next. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. <laughs> 